our lives can really transform when we stay, if you say, stay in the love, stay in the light. And when you're in that space, that's where the joy is. Hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast this week is Aiden Chase, third generation healer and intuitive. He's also my friend and somebody that I've been working with for almost five years, and I am so excited to share this episode with you. I started working with Aiden in 2014, really at the suggestion of my dad. And I wasn't in a good place. I'm just going to be super honest. I was coming off of my first year of law school. I was on a career path, a career trajectory, a relationship path, a relationship trajectory, a friendship trajectory, everything sort of path that just was not feeling good to me. In fact, I was getting migraines and I was getting really sick. I think really in response to the choices and the decisions that I was making, and I was pretty lost and I was pretty confused. And I think my family definitely saw that. And they said, I think you need to book a session with Aiden. And I'm not going to lie. There was a little fear and there was a little resistance at first, but I'll never forget that first session at Aiden's house. I was seen and heard and acknowledged in ways that I had never experienced before. And it goes to show that when you work with somebody who has these gifts, who is a healer, who is an intuitive, who can see and convey information and energy to you in a way that is healing. Um, It's really wonderful what happens. And so I think it's safe to say that the work that I have done with Aiden for almost the past five years has completely changed my life and has allowed me to seek my joy, really, in ways that I never thought possible. And so I'm really excited to share this episode with you, share with you who Aiden is, his work as a third generation healer and intuitive, and how he really tunes into his gifts and how we can also really connect with our intuition to use it as our guiding force. Aiden shares really the transformative power of clearing energetic blocks to aim for our joy and the healing power of love. Plus, we chat about Aiden's role in my healing and spiritual journey, the path to really clearing my anger, how I've healed through seeking my joy, and just so much more. Before we dive into this week's new episode, I've got to share with you the iTunes review of the week, and this week it comes from Latifa A, and it says, Inspiring and Motivating. Such an inspirational and moving podcast. I absolutely love hearing how others are changing the world. It also is so motivating to hear others' struggles and how they've overcome them. It really gives you a broader perspective on life and issues. I highly recommend. Latifa, thank you so much for this review and thank you so much for being part of The Power of Storytelling last year. I'm so excited and thrilled to share your journey and your story and thank you just for being part of this community. And guys, if you have been enjoying Seek the Joy podcast, if you want to show a little love and support for this show, I would be so grateful if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or really wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. When you do, take a screenshot of that review send it to me, sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I'll send you our guide for infusing more joy into your life, as well as some Seek the Joy podcast stickers. And it's a great way for us to connect outside of the show. All right, guys, that's it. I am really thrilled, seriously, for you to hear this conversation and for you to meet Aiden. And I'm excited to introduce you to people who have been so instrumental in my healing and spiritual journey and really begin to open up more about this journey for myself. So um, the next couple of months on Seek the Joy podcast is going to be pretty good, if I say so myself. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend, third generation healer and intuitive Aiden Chase. Well, Sydney, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really love the concept of Seek the Joy. Our whole world is in desperate need 
to aim towards joy. And really what my work is as a healer intuitive, I'm a third generation healer and intuitive. And basically what my work is, is I deal in energy, but I really help people to clear their blocks, to clear their whatever it is that's limiting their joy, where people can be you know, seeking you know, an infinite space of happiness, health, wealth, you know, joy, happiness, respect, protection, all those kinds of things. So my work is is to tune into people to receive information clairvoyantly, clairaudiently, and also using my own intuition and helping other people to access their own innate, powerful intuition to be a guiding force in their life that's like a GPS system Hmm. to find their way past all the pitfalls, all the trials and tribulations, and hopefully rise above those into a space of joy. I love that. And I think we should probably talk about the fact that you are in part the inspiration behind the name of the podcast, because I think it was three years ago, you and I were having a conversation and you said to me, you need to seek the joy in your life. And me being me, I just took it really to heart. And I literally went out (laughs) and made a bracelet. And I know I've told that story a million times on this podcast, but you were really the impetus or the channel for that. And I'm so grateful because it stuck with me two, three years later. And so here we are today having a conversation about you and our work together and joy. And so it's really cool that. just to kind of see it come, you know, full circle. And you never know when you plant a seed, yeah. how it's going to blossom and sprout. And now it's built this beautiful big tree, Sydney. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so excited about where it's going to go and so happy that you're on the podcast. So I think a Me really too. good place to start is the fact that you are a third generation intuitive and healer. And clients really come to you from all around the world seeking guidance and advice. And I love what you said that you're you're a GPS. At what point did you really tune in and discover that you had these gifts? Well, it's really been really since I could speak and since I was aware in any way, about three or four, I would have unique abilities that other kids didn't seem to have. Although I believe kids especially have amazing intuition, amazing, yeah. we'll call it even psychic abilities. And our society is structured in a way that says that that's weird or abnormal or, you know, follow in line or whatever it might be, or kids that have what they call imaginary friends. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm not so sure they are imaginary. Mm -hmm. They could be passed on loved ones or spirit or communicators in some way connecting to little kids because little kids are open vessels of really joy. And if you meet any, most every little kid, you know, they have a light in their eyes. They have a joy in their being and a laughter that sometimes as we start developing a personality, and we start going to, I don't know, first grade, and we start falling in line with the structures of society, sometimes we can forget those, what I call the sparkly times, the sparkly eyes, the sparkly joy that is innate, that play that we all have still, even though we feel like we had it, we still have it. And it's about um, really connecting in with that. So thankfully, my mom has all the same skills and abilities and talents that I have, although she never did it as an occupation, neither did my grandmother. My maternal lineage all have really powerful intuitive abilities. You know, over about 100 years ago, you know, what I do was more average and normal, you know, really before doctors or therapists or science or technology, there was always somebody in the village, like a lady with the herbs yeah. or some like the weird old guy in the cave that had a little more information <laughs> that could help people, again, find their own GPS system. Again, 100 years ago, we didn't call it a GPS. I've called it a map. But um, it's about really finding and tuning in where you have your own inner intuitive guidance system. That helps build your life Mm -hmm. and helps you aim to your wishes and dreams and what your preferences are. I say whatever you prefer, whatever you like, maybe you love England or maybe you love, I don't know, Native American things. Whatever we're drawn to is usually our soul guiding us in the direction because those things bring us joy. If we love movies and we love to go to movies, that brings us joy. And so we say, hey, I really want to go to a movie versus, I don't know, do your taxes, (laughs) whatever it is. we, We aim to the things that bring us joy. And a lot of people have forgotten. Some people are too responsible. Responsibility is great. Sometimes people get a little too serious, Sydney Weiss. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) And we aim towards the joy. And that's what's been so beautiful for you is aiming toward it has transformed everything. 
understatement, right? Total yeah. understatement. Uh-huh. I love what you shared. And I, I didn't realize that your grandmother also had these gifts. Of course, I knew about your mom, but how cool just yeah. generation to generation. And I can imagine as a young kid, did you have moments where it kind of freaked you out or were you always really open to it, especially having that relationship with your mom and, and your grandma and, and knowing, okay, this isn't that strange or weird? Well, what's great about it is when I would have moments at three, four and five where I just sort of knew things mm-hmm. and I would have adults come to me, you know, if it's like adults at our house or out in public, they would start asking me questions. Mm-hmm. Somehow I was drawing people and they, at five asking me questions and I would have the answers. And for some reason, hey, I'll just ask you about this life situation. And I always had the answer. And I didn't know how I did it. It just yeah. flowed right out. That's awesome. And that it was just my, you can look at it this way. Somehow maybe my DNA is amplified or mutated or just like some people have a natural ability to sit down and play the piano like a little kid and how do they do it? Yeah. Or even like a basketball star, like, I don't know, like LeBron James and who can just really play basketball really well. And it doesn't mean he didn't practice. I'm sure he practiced amazingly and immensely, but there's a natural little something under, there's a propensity, a, a gift, whatever you want to call it, or a genetic anomaly that allows some people to be better at some things than others. And for mm-hmm. me, that's intuition. It's about our guiding force. You know, I look at intuition several ways, a little differently. I believe intuition is about the now. It's about that gut feeling, that animal instinct right now. And that's what my grandmother taught me. Although my grandmother never did this as an occupation, you know, her prime was in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And, you know, that what we did was not as normalized then, even though people turned to people like like us all the time, but it wasn't in the, the kind of cultural, um, the zeitgeist of the time. And so she would just say, well, a little birdie whispered to me. That's mm. how she would say she got her information. Yeah. But so I always felt like I was normal with my grandmother and normal with my mother that I could speak anything and it wasn't shut down. And mm. I talk a lot about little kids who have like imaginary friends or have sensations, you know, there's a boogeyman in the closet, whatever it might be. And usually they get afraid of things because they they don't understand what it is. And usually it's spirit, a passed on loved one, or our spirit guides. We can even say angels, whatever you want to call it, or God, yeah. that's trying to communicate with us because we're open to it. And sometimes it can feel scary, especially if we've been programmed in a way to think it's scary. Or it could be a really beautiful thing of communication um, where we're more a part of the oneness of all things, of time and space, versus kind of isolating ourselves to just this time frame. So that's mm-hmm. intuition. It's about that gut feeling. And it's also what they call in our third eye and in our heart and in our gut, our belly button. That's all part of our intuition. And it's, you know, quite a scientific process from an energetic standpoint. Yeah. Um, and I can see it in everybody. Hmm. That's awesome. I've never yeah. heard intuition defined that way, but I think it's so true. Right. It exists in all elements and all aspects of who we are and our being, and you can choose mm-hmm. to follow it and choose to tune into it. And there's something you said a little bit earlier, just about our soul guiding us in the direction that we're supposed to be on. And some of us are too responsible. Some of us are too serious. Some of us and Some don't. are too lazy. You know, so there's so there's all, types. All, all types, right? And there, there's always a process, I think, that we each individually go through to to begin to follow along that path. And so for you, have you had moments where you chose not to follow your intuition or not, or you chose not to follow that path that your soul was guiding you to? And well, I think we all do it as humans in little ways. Like maybe we're overwhelmed or tired or, or been through too much. And you're like, I just can't cope with that. I don't want to listen to my gut feeling that says, no, don't do that. Or yes, do that. Stand up and do that. And sometimes we, you know, we get overloaded or we're programmed or um, encouraged by others to do something or to not do something. Um, Some people might have said, well, you know, you grew up here and you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so someone maybe aim in that direction. And then you go, well, what do I really think? What mm-hmm. is that something I want? And sometimes we're programmed by family or society to go in a direction versus really following that, that little spark that what I call the little magic, the little sparkle that makes us excited inside, gives us yeah. you know, the goosebumps or the tingles that says, that's the direction I want to head. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I think it's a process for so many. And oftentimes it takes going down that path super far to realize like, Hey, I'm, I'm not supposed to do that. And so today, do you feel like with your work, you're aligned with your passions and, and your purpose and really what you're, what you're here to do? I really do. I think there's several ways to look at it. Some of us are here to do something like a mission. Yeah. And I always believe that aligns with our preferences in a lot of ways. Not always, but um, in a lot of ways, what we like, or again, if we like you know, country music versus rock music, or we like you know, art versus um, you know, singing, whatever it might be, whatever we're drawn to is always aligned with our mission in some ways. And then what happens is we meet people along the way when we follow what that is. And, and it could be super science. It could be, I want to be an astrophysicist. It could be whatever. When we head in those directions, that's like, again, that little GPS is in it, little nudge of intuition that says, go there. Another way to look at it, you know, horror movies, it's always like, no, girl, don't go in the barn. Yeah. We know you're going to get murdered in the barn, and we know she knows better, but she still goes in the barn. Yeah, yeah always, always. <laughs> and bloodshed ensues, right? Always. <laughs> well, that's the way for all of us. And it says, we always have the right answer. But sometimes things get in the way. We've been programmed to believe something, whether it's religious or a negative thing by somebody that says, no, you can't, you shouldn't, you wouldn't, or whatever it might be that stops us from really listening to that guidance system. And I always say, I'm sure you've done this too. We've all done this. Oh, I should have listened to myself. I Mm -hmm. was right. And, you know, I went the other way and I knew better. And we get all mad and angry and "Ah, I knew better. It's because our intuition, our gut feeling, our animal instinct is always right. Is is never wrong. And part of what my work has been all along, especially when I was really young, is really to listen to your intuition, but to trust it. And Mm -hmm. anybody can use your intuition as the guiding force in their life and to protect and to serve, you know, your wishes and dreams. But we have to learn to really trust it and build like a muscle of it, of trust. And when we do that, I mean, life really becomes truly awesome and lots of synchronicities and lots of alignments. And again, along the way, we meet really cool people that show up that help us fulfill those wishes and dreams. If we restrict those thinkings of our wishes and dreams or that little nudges, then we end up meeting the wrong people that trouble ensues. And then it forces us at some point to say, hey, I don't want this. I better aim to what I want. So for somebody that's listening, and let's say they're in the process of building that trust and and things Uh start showing up differently, what would be your advice for them to continue to build that trust so that they can continue along that path that lights them up and that they're passionate about and what they're excited about kind of following that, mm-hmm. you know, yellow brick road. So yeah, what would be your yeah. advice to them just to keep trusting that? That's an excellent question. And I think that's kind of the secret question in here that eludes yeah. a lot of people. And what it is, is about listening to all the little signs and symbols, the ones that show up, things that repeat and say, okay, I've been thinking about, um, I have a client right now who is this big executive and she really wants to thing and she's in her 50s and she knows that it's not out to be her occupation to make money but she really wants to sing so she in Los Angeles took only in Los Angeles took cabaret singing lessons Hmm. with a group of people and she went in scared to death she's put it off for 50 something years even though she's wanted to do it her whole life and she went into that class she dove in and she said she wasn't amazing at it but she felt so good that was the joy and it didn't matter about being perfect or being Whitney Houston, it was that she felt so amazing in the process of speaking or singing that truth, Mm -hmm. singing out that vibration of that wish, whether anybody heard or whether they liked it or not. And it's about trusting those feelings. And hopefully we get it, I don't know, 18 versus get it at 55. And it's really transformed her life. And just by doing that six-week class, and going for it, shall we say, and even, you know, flopping in some ways, I'm sure, um, and going for it and standing in that light or in that space of that wish or that intention or that dream or that feeling that's been drawing her for 50 years. Um, it's opened these doors to amazing new business opportunities, even some new love, mm. really cool things because she's been following what feels right versus what is maybe practically right. Mm. 
So it's about following, right? Yeah. So it's about following that joy and following mm-hmm. what you love and, and trusting that it will lead you to the next. And the moment you don't need to know, right, the path, the fully, and you don't need to know where it's going to go, but you need to remember how it makes you feel and just keep seeking right. out those moments that bring you that same feeling. And, and I think that's always a good way to know and, and begin to trust, okay, I'm on the right path because it brings yeah. me joy as opposed to pain. And we start getting signs yeah. from others. Yeah. That is working. Like, yeah. wow, you look great. Wow, you look so sparkly. Or, wow, you know, did you get your haircut? Like, why do you look so good? Yeah. And it's that joy. Yeah, like that sparkle inside just starts to, that right. flame starts to ignite and grow and grow and grow the more that you follow those things. And then you attract more joy from other yeah. sources and other places because like always attracts like. You know, there's a practical part of life too. You know, in theory, we all have to go work and make money. And sometimes people do things they don't really want to do because maybe yeah. that's the job they got. But we, you know, we can still seek the joy in all ways. It doesn't mean our occupation has to be exactly aligned. You know, in Los Angeles, where I was for so many years and saw lots of you know, actor producers and writers and new actors, I would say fresh off the bus, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily a career for everyone. You know, there's people who are good at it people who aren't good at it, people who are just lucky or in the right place at the right time, somebody who beats the pavement and pounds on doors for years and years and years. It doesn't mean to not do something. It just means is to look at it in a different way, not even look at it as a hobby versus occupation. It's just to look at it, this activity, this situation, these people, whatever it is, this group, this tribe brings me joy. And we've been brainwashed by our American society says that our joy is only aligned to our occupation. And mm. I don't think that's accurate. Or, oh, it's my family brings my joy, but I hate my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's a mistake in there somewhere. And it doesn't mean everybody should, you know, give up their occupation and go for whatever they love. I mean, there is a practical aspect. But usually when we aim to what we love, a lot of times it will bring us big money or even stable money. But it's about you know, not judging the quality of the practicality of the experience of it bringing money versus something bringing you joy. Hopefully in a perfect mm-hmm. world and hopefully we can all aim towards our joy brings us the prosperity we need to, to you know, live our, our whatever life we'd like to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily directly connected. Yeah, I think that's a good point too because I think for so many there's this there's this frustration because on the one hand you need to go to work and you need to make money but you don't love your job and you don't find right. joy in it. But then you go home and you have a passion project that you really love. And so for a lot for many there's a lot of frustration of I can't yeah. seem to fuse the two. They're distinct, but I think if you can bring in a little bit of that joy and fun and laughter and passion into your day job, so to speak, right. it, it helps to change the perspective around it and then maybe at some point they will fuse but I think it's a journey right and it takes time and mm-hmm. and something I was thinking about that I wanted to ask you is do we all always know our soul or our, yeah our soul's purpose when we come into this lifetime or is it something that's sort of revealed to us over time because I can only use myself as an example, but I think for me over the course of almost 28 years, there's been little signs or breadcrumbs of things that I should have followed or done because they were things that really brought me joy and lit me up, but I was too serious. Mm -hmm. I was too responsible. And so different people, different lessons come along that path to, in my opinion, at least move you back closer to where you're supposed to be. And so do we all come into this lifetime knowing that purpose and do things show up on purpose? Well, I don't like the word purpose again, but I know to kind of like derail us, to put us back on the path. I guess this is a super convoluted question, but I'd be interested no, to hear totally. what, what you think. Yeah. Well, one thing about what you were saying earlier, I'll start with that, um, was saying that if we are too serious or we miss something on the path, mm-hmm. I, I don't quite look at it that way. Another way to look at it is um, – how did society or people tell you you shouldn't or couldn't or do your own self-judgment about yourself because whatever's happened in the past say I shouldn't or couldn't or I've been weakened or I'm too shy or I'm too whatever to do that where we buy into beliefs or philosophies that are anti that wish and dream that and with that part of my work is helping people shed those things those things they're believing that may not even be accurate that we just kind of fall into 
into the traps of whether it's other beliefs of people or even religious beliefs or philosophies or families or our own that we may have been creating that may just not be totally accurate to who we are or where we're going. So if we look at the soul and we come in, here's my philosophy at this point in my life. You know, we're always growing and learning, but Mm -hmm. from all the passed on people I speak to and all my, I have over 850 clients all of the world and I hear a lot of the same stories. 850. That's amazing. 850. Wow. Isn't that so cool? That's amazing. And building. <laughs> yeah. But what's so cool about it is it seems as if we select our parents before we're born and we say, hey, let's jump into those that body with those two parents, mm-hmm. whether they're together or not. And we say, I would like to go into planet Earth as a soul, having my experience of growing and learning about love and seeking the joy through those people. Mm-hmm. And it's a town, it's a city, it's a religion, it's a, you know, a, an ethnic background, it's a, a culture, a language, it's a philosophy, it's all those things. And we start as a baby, we're born, and we've literally forgotten everything of the other side. I say before we're born and when we pass, we then automatically know everything about the universe, the past, the present, the future, all the wisdom, all the bliss, all yeah. the oneness. Yeah. And part of the, the thing that seems to happen as souls coming into human bodies onto earth is we're born and we forget it all. And we tend to spend our whole life trying to remember it again, Mm -hmm. or seeking it, or learning Mm -hmm. it, or remembering it in some ways. Now, there's a cool story. I actually think this was on on Oprah at one point, one of her um, episodes. And there was a little boy. And the little boy was waiting at home for his new little sister to come. And he was about four years old, a very important age. And the parents bring the new baby sister home, and they put the baby sister in a room and close the door. And, of course, he meets the baby sister and all that. And an hour goes by, and the parents see him trying to break into the room, bang on the door. And they said, well, what's wrong? What do you need? He goes, I need to go talk to her because I'm starting to forget where I came from, and hopefully Mm -hmm. she will remember because it hasn't been too long. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So when we're little kids, we know how connected we are to that other side, to the oneness, to the all. Yeah. And as we you know, get older and older, and usually about seven, first grade, and that seems to be the American perspective, we start to lose those connections or those memories, whether mm-hmm. it's to past lives or you know, a connection or, or a purpose. You know, little kids always know their purpose. And it, sometimes it gets you know, sidetracked or distracted or aimed or guided, good or bad, in certain ways. So the ones who have been guided in a direction that isn't alignment with an alignment to their their kind of their mission or their soul, they end up trying to find their way to it at some point, whether it's at 50 or 80 or whatever. I've had 80-year-old clients who go, wow, I went the wrong direction over and over and over, and now mm. I know what it was, and now even if it's for five years, I choose to fulfill it. Wow. I say, why not get it at five or eight or 18? Right. Not that we can't change our mind. And what they say in America, the average person has five to eight occupations over their lifetime. Right. I usually believe is they've been seeking out the joy. They've been seeking what are they're supposed to be or do. And it's just taken some detours along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So do you think that if we lived in a society that nurtured that awareness and that understanding and that connection to that oneness and the fact that we are all connected and we there's more to just this physical form, do you think that we would remember throughout our lives or do we forget on purpose so that we have this journey back to that remembering? I think a little both. I think we all remember a little of something. Like yeah. to me, I'm obsessed with England. Call me an Anglophile. I love <laughs> English houses. I like Downton Abbey. Yeah. I like everything. I like how everyone speaks. I like the thought patterns. And I've only been to England three times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. But even as a little kid, as a four-year-old, I was totally into it. And and it's about following those things because it leads to doors. It leads to doors that can open or be opened or that you have the key to that you never knew that you had the key to. Mm-hmm. You know, a great example of that is when I was, I think, about 23, I had a girlfriend and she was an equestrian. And I went to visit her, um, take her um, dressage horse lesson. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a big, you know, equestrian center with, you know, a fence around it. And she had like hurt her foot or something. She goes, wow. Well, you know, I don't think I 
can really take my lesson with the trainer. Would you like to take it? I'm like, okay. I, I really hadn't been on a horse other than being, you know, like five, being placed on a horse for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, okay. So I get on the horse and somehow I knew to get on the horse. You know, there's an, there was a way to do it. And the trainer says, how do you know to do that? I went, I don't know. Hmm. And I just got, and I didn't even know what I did. I just got on the horse. And it wasn't through observation. I just somehow knew in my muscles or my bones or my soul. And maybe my soul gave me muscle memory of how to do it. So she takes me around the circle and I start doing dressage and cantering, which I now know what it's called. It didn't at the time (laughs) and holding the reins of the horse. And she goes, how are you doing that? You've never done this. She goes, you must be lying. You've done this. I said, no, I've never done this. And she goes, well, you're a natural at this. And that's to me about being a little kid and remembering certain aspects of the all. Mm. Or like, you know, Mozart being able to play the piano or a little kid today or a 50-year-old sitting down and naturally able to play the piano. It might take some practice, but there's a natural propensity in it. And um, I think that that's our soul guiding us. Now, I can have many interests. So could you. It doesn't mean that everything is part of something that either has to be in alignment or make money. Um, It's about we can have lots of interests and passions and things that fascinate us that could bring us us joy. And, And that in turn can make the job we don't necessarily love better, or it guides us that maybe I need to be a marine biologist because I only want to be in the ocean. I feel like a fish. I mean, we can look at it in many different ways. Yeah, there's a remembering there and a connection, and often it's to many lifetimes before. And I love what you said that not all of it has to be for the purpose of making money or your occupation. It can really just be things that you love and you enjoy and that you gravitate towards. Right. And then some people do make the mistake saying, well, I must do this, especially in Los Angeles. I have to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it wasn't really the actor. It was the acknowledgement. And they they, they bought joy because maybe in their childhood they weren't acknowledged or revered or lifted up in some ways. And they're seeking to be an actor or an actress because people clap or they adore you or you're noticed or acknowledged. And that's not the joy they're seeking. They're seeking the connection or the acknowledgement. They're not necessarily seeking to be an actual actor. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a good point. And it really takes me to the next thing I really wanted to talk to you about, which is your work, because through the work that you do, you help clear out the path, clear out the stuff, the junk that doesn't belong, so that you can sort of see that illuminated path for yourself and discover, mm-hmm. you know, what is the reason why you're attracted to this thing? Is it supposed to be your occupation, or is there a deeper, is there something deeper there like that validation that you were just touching on. And so you're a healer and you're an intuitive and you are clairaudient, clairvoyant, and clairsentient. I almost said transient, but that's not the right word. Clairsentient is feeling energy. Right. So for somebody that's not familiar, what is the difference between a healer and an intuitive and someone who has clairs open like you do? Great. I love that. Well, for me, as I said earlier, intuition is about that animal instinct, the gut feeling. We could even call it the third eye or the heart. It's, to me, really about the now. And it's part of our human processes, and it's a guiding force, too. And it's a protection device. It's like an alarm system as well. Well, the psychic abilities are slightly different. I look at psychic as the past and the future, and with intuition kind of in between, in the middle. Mm, Yeah. Clairvoyance, how it works for me specifically, it works differently for everyone, but clairvoyance is a natural ability. I'm starting to think it's a genetic ability. Mm. Some people have different genes that are a little different. Some are turned on, some are turned off. I think it's part of our human experience, whether I'm just early with it or a mutant in some way, I don't know, (laughs) or others like me. But clairvoyance is how it works for me is watching a literally movie version of someone's life. Mm -hmm. And the joke is I was in so many years in Hollywood dealing with Hollywood people that I see it like little movie trailers, like before the movie and in the movie theater. And I describe the movie I'm seeing. And the movie, when we go to a movie and we sit in a dark theater, we get a feeling, we get a sensation, we're told a story, it feels good, it feels bad. It feels ugly. It feels scary. It feels awesome, whatever it is. And what I do is I describe how it looks, how I, what I see it, the description of what's going on, and then how it feels. Mm. And so I can take a scenario from someone's life in the future or the past, and I describe the scene. So it could be, okay, Sydney, you and I are in Hawaii, and we are sitting on the beach in lounge chairs. And in front of us, I see a catamaran, and it's super sunny, hot. It's like 85 degrees. We're sipping on fruity beverages. 
and we're eating pineapple. And then over here, there's these people doing this. I describe the situation. So then you have the ability to be the co-creator of your experience and Mm -hmm. say, wow, Aiden, let's go now. Or say, you know what, I'd like to go in six months, or I don't want to go at all. I hate to fly. I hate Hawaii. No, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Or you could say, I'm not so into what we're eating or drinking. I would rather have this. Or I would rather this be a business adventure than a pleasure adventure. Whatever it might be, I give people pictures or little movies of scenarios for then you to be the writer, director, and star of it to -hmm. change it up. But your higher self, spirit guides, angels, God, whatever we want to call it, shows me when we agree to have a session, shows me clips of the movie that they know will help make your life, again, happy, healthy, wealthy, loved, respected, and protected, and seeking the joy. They, you know, they give me things to avoid problems or how to aim in a better direction that makes life easier, more gentle, or effortless, or you know, more smooth, whatever we want to call it. So that's the clairvoyant side. Yeah. Any questions about that? No, I mean, I think that's so cool. And what you said about how you share what you're, what you're shown, what you can, what you see, and then it's up to the other person to be a co-creator in that sort of destiny. Right. And I think that's such an important part because often when we receive messages either on our own or from someone else, we take it as gospel, right? We take it as truth and we forget that we also play a role and that the future is still malleable within that. And and there's so much healing that can come from, from that and just the awareness Mm -hmm. too. So no questions, but I just wanted to comment on that because it's awesome. Yeah. It's being a creator versus a victim, you know, you're just waiting or you fall victim to something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, so is it the same thing with what you can hear just with clear audience as well? Well, Clear audience, as my grandmother said, a little birdie whispered to me, Mm -hmm. mainly clear audience for me is hearing audio messages literally in your ears. And, you know, if you, you know, we all have an imagination screen behind our eyes where we imagine things that's like clairvoyance. Um, the difference is clear audiences, you actually hear it in your ears. Sometimes it's like there's not necessarily someone speaking to you um, outside of you, but you're hearing in your audio systems, you're hearing messages, kind of like the podcast. You know, yeah. You're finding a way to hear this audio message, but there's no one in the room actually saying it. Mm-hmm. So it's another transmission device, shall we say, or tool of receiving data or information. I could see it visually or I could hear it audially. Like we could do a video of this interview or we could do a audio podcast of this interview. It's just a different technology, shall we say, or style to receive information and data to help people's lives. So usually the audio messages I get the most are from passed on loved ones, great Mm -hmm. grandma or grandma that has some sort of a message. That's mainly how I get audio messages, but we can also get smell messages. I do that frequently. Well, I get a little whiff of what I call old lady powdery perfume, which was my (laughs) aunt Charlotte, (laughs) kind of, sorry, aunt Charlotte stunk like old lady power. (laughs) She probably knows. (laughs) And sometimes I'll get that waft of that smell. I know it's her. Right. That's awesome. Um, but clairsentience, the last version of it, is sensing energy in our bodies. That's how I describe it. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a creepy house and maybe the back of your hair, your neck, your hair stands up in your arms or you get a weird funky vibe, you know, like a little bit of the shivers of the willies and you don't know why. Well, you are reading the energy of the space. And sometimes clairsentience and intuition can be overlapping. The sense that don't go in that barn in the <laughs> in the horror movie, that yeah. there's something bad in that barn, and we kind of know it. We all watch it, and we know it, and then we can feel it. Well, that's clairsentience, is knowing how to protect ourselves or how to seek the joy, how to align to what we want. Wow, that just feels right over there. I think I'm going to go over there. I don't know why I look at that building. There's something about it. I'm just going to go over there. And usually there's something awesome there when we go there. That is that is so cool. Just all all three aspects of that. And then, of course, in your sessions, you use all of those three things, clear audience, clairvoyance, yeah. and clairsentient. And then you connect with 
either loved ones who have passed on or angelic forces. And I know, I mean, at times in a session with you and me, we've had, I think it was like a Native American shaman or something that came in. So you really have the ability to connect with really whoever needs and wants to come through to deliver those messages of healing and guidance. And it's so powerful. And um, so I love the way you described everything because I think it's, it's such a good picture for people who may not be, you know, super aware of what this work entails. Right. And it's about love. You know, to me, healing, we didn't talk about healing. Healing is about love. You know, when you're a little kid and you don't feel well and someone who loves you like your mom, you might have the flu, maybe wipes your forehead or puts like a cloth on your chest or something. Well, what she's doing is sending her love energy, her healing energy from her heart, maybe down through her arm as she like rubs your forehead or something (laughs) to make you feel better. Well, that is healing. And that is quantum physics. Science proves it, which says we're intent, basically, we're Intention goes, energy flows. Mm -hmm. So when we send love energy, that kind love energy or powerful love energy, sometimes a mom can pick up a car off a kid that's run over a kid and she can lift up a a zillion pound car and save the child. That is healing. That that love is so powerful, it could even lift a thousand pounds. And that's healing. But healing is also something very subtle and very gentle too. It's about opening the doors to your own Mm self-love where maybe people limit it or they self-judge or maybe they hurt themselves in some ways and finding and open those doors to the inner love is very healing. Mm -hmm. And then when we heal ourselves, you know, I had a spirit guide once said, we're only here to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that healing inspires someone else to get better and to heal themselves from whatever the issues are that are making their lives dark in some ways or limiting them seeking the joy. So love heals everything. It conquers all, solves all, heals all, rescues all. And sometimes it can be very energetic, very Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I only say, and I would say angels and above, love only. And when, you know, you talk about us kind of opening the energetic door to whether it's a Native American spirit or an angel or a past Mm -hmm. loved one, is there's this boundary that I set that says, I only receive into this session or into this space the highest light and love. If it's a toe in the dark side, I say, no, thank you. And our lives can really transform when we stay, if you say, stay in the love, stay in the light. And when you're in that space, that's where the joy is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this great chart. A scientist did this great chart that I love to use. And they say, scale of one to 10. One is the bottom, 10 is the highest. So 10 is like the highest enlightenment. We'll say, you know, the Dalai Lama, the Jesus, the Buddha figure, the highest enlightenment. And then one at the bottom is like the psycho killer. Mm -hmm. Those serial killers, (laughs) yeah. Uh Right. (laughs) Well, five in the middle is love. And most of our society in America aims towards the love. I'm going to have a great relationship. I'm going to feel Mm -hmm. love in my heart. And that's beautiful. It is beautiful. And then four maybe below is doubting it. I don't know. Can I really have it? Should I do it? Or I can't be bothered? And then we get down to anger and fear and pain and then psycho killer. Mm -hmm. But if five is love, joy is six. It's that step above. It's this almost magical place, the sparkle. It's the smile. It's, it's above love. It's this next level that we try to seek in some ways, but we don't necessarily know how to do it or have the key to it or the technique to it. But it really is above love. Mm-hmm. And it first comes from self-love and loving others. But we can even seek the joy if we don't have that all the way. But if we can aim for that space, yeah. that's where all the good stuff is. And it's the next frontier. You know, they say we've gone everywhere. We've gone to the moon. We've hit, you know, with Google Maps, everything on the earth. We've seen it all. But really, fear is our final frontier. And fear is the opposite of love. And fear is the opposite of joy. Mm-hmm. And we, on, in weird ways in our culture right now, are working on eradicating that fear and anger. And anger is always unresolved fear that's festered underneath. Right. But if we seek this joy space, that's when the whole world's going to change dramatically. Hmm. I love that. And that's so well said. And I remember when we first started working together almost five years ago, that was something that you and I talked about was that scale and just where do you identify on that scale and where do you want to go on it too? Mm -hmm. And I think something that you brought up just about healing in general and the power of healing and that it really does start with that love and that self-love 
towards yourself. And I think that's such a good point because often we look outside of ourselves for that healing. And I do think that Mm -hmm. there are people who are supposed to be on that healing journey with us, whether it's someone like you, who's a healer or an intuitive or a therapist or whatever it might be. Um, But at the end of the day, we also have the ability to heal ourselves. And I, that's a really good segue, I think, into talking a little bit about our work together. And I love that you brought uh-huh. up anger because it reminded me that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about our work together. I love it. So I, I haven't really talked much about this on the podcast. So this will be sort of the first introduction. And I imagine you're going to come back on the show to finish this, this conversation. Uh-huh. But five years ago, when you and I first started working together was 2014. And I think I was the embodiment of anger. Just from head to toe, that was my go-to emotion. They used to call me the Tasmanian devil. It was just kind of the way I expressed myself. And so through our work together and and beginning on that healing journey and that, that journey of me starting to connect, I think, more to who I am and who I want to be, we started to peel back the layers and there was, I remember there was a whole year, I think there was just so much healing that occurred before I even really started to, I don't know, redirect myself. I don't know if that was your take Uh on it too, but I think through our work together and having an understanding and things kind of coming to the surface in a different way than they ever did in therapy or talking, you know, for hours with whoever it might be about trying to sort out why I felt the way I did and why I was the way I was. I mean, it totally changed the course of my life. And I think there's so much power in energy work and there's so much power in um, working with someone like you. So anyway, that was a really long... Well, thank you, Cindy. That's yeah, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I think, anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about our work together because you you said this time and time again, but the more you seek that joy, the more it just totally changes the direction of your life. Right. Well, what, what do you think that you learned about anger the most that wasn't working for you? That it was an inauthentic expression of who I was. I think mm-hmm. I think that's for sure. And what I learned through our work together is that some of the anger was my own of sort of this lifetime of experiences with my family, with my parents and frustrations and things that just occurred, you know, throughout my lifetime that also some of it was brought in from before. And I think that's something that I'm learning more and more is that often the emotions that we have or the experiences that we have, um, we bring with us and they're triggered by things that sort of happen in, in the current lifetime that we're in. Um, and so I learned that it really was an inauthentic, um, expression and that through sort of following that anger, I landed in a space quite literally um, at the district attorney's office. That was not for me. That was not in alignment. Well, I remember you're seeking justice for the wrongs of the world yeah. versus healing the injustices in yours, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, that's a good point. And I think often we do that, right? We seek it outside of ourselves when we really need to do that healing um, internally. Right. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Are you open to share your story of your appendix? Yeah. So totally. And I, I shared Talk about a, the ultimate expression of anger. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know that the appendix was an ex, was it like a physical expression of anger. So something that I've learned through our work together is often different um, ailments or organs or health crises are sort of an embodiment of an emotion that we're not, um, that maybe we're holding on to too tightly or too deeply and, and not releasing. And so after I graduated from law school and sat for the bar the first time, if you're new to turn tuning into the show, I had appendicitis and I stubbornly waited like three or four days before I even went to the hospital because I thought it was just like a stomach bug or something. Can we back it up, Sydney? Okay. That you were so stressed to the max, level eight. 89 about passing the bar exam (laughs) and what it meant to pass it. Am I going to pass it? Will I fail it? And having such an intensity about performance, right? Yeah. Performance anxiety to the max for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so, um, I was so freaked out that I, I made myself sick, I think is probably the best way to put it, and held right. on to so much anger and aggression and fear and frustration and all those kind of emotions put together um, that when I had my appendix removed, and I don't know if I told you this, or I, I don't think I've said this on the show, but apparently the surgery was like a couple hours longer than they anticipated because the appendix was like so stubborn coming out. It was like, they described it as like sticky and angry was actually how the surgery 
surgeon described it. I remember you saying that the, the surgeon came out and said, wow, that was the most angry appendix I've ever removed. Yes, yes, you're right. I totally <laughs> forgot that. That was literally what he said. Um, and then months after having that surgery and having it removed, um, I felt very different. And I'll never forget, I was at a birthday lunch for my grandma and my uncle said, do you feel different after having your appendix out? Because, you know, this is kind of like an inconsequential organ. And I said, yes, I feel so different. And I think today, maybe like 85, 90% of that anger that was associated and that came out with that appendix anyway is gone. And so I think it just goes to show that when you make yourself so crazy and sick and worried and you're worried, you have performance anxiety or this level of intensity or anger or whatever it might be, those emotions 100% manifest into your body. And so then it's about learning that lesson and not choosing to go down, I think, that angry path again (laughs) (laughs) so that you don't manifest it, you know, in your body. Well, it shows that, you know, just your level of consciousness about it or working hard and you work beautifully and diligently on removing anger, but it was a big journey. It was a long journey. Mm -hmm. And at one point, you know, the bar exam comes up and it's amplifying the panic and fear and the anger and all those things and the injustice of the system of it, right? It's not Mm -hmm. a very nice or humane system to take the bar exam. It's not. And, you know, in that space, you know, you could have cut out the anger, shall we say, but what happened is your anger was cut out through your appendix surgery. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was a really beautiful display of just how much I had changed and how much I had grown and was more aware when I sat for the bar the second time. And it right. was a totally different experience. There was no anger. Yes, I still had some performance anxiety. I was still nervous. I'll never forget sitting on the phone with you in my hotel room in Sacramento, like a little panicked, a little still worried, but but more aware, I think that that second time around and less less intense, I think is the best way to put it. Right. And came out of that the second time, just so different and um, in a totally mm-hmm. different place. And so there was a lot of healing within awareness um, is probably mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big evolution just with that one component Huge. alone. It's spectacular. Yeah. And I've been so proud of you because you've done it all. Oh, thank I may you. have guided in some ways. Totally. But you know, you've done all the hard work, all the heavy lifting, but more than heavy lifting, all the shedding of all the old stuff that you've been carrying for way too long. Yeah. They were huge things, you know, just different belief structures and thought patterns and habits about what you believe about yourself or the world. And mm-hmm. and when you did seek the joy, when you aimed in that direction, amazing things happen. It totally changed my life because then after that experience came launching this podcast and came right. literally in embodying in a word, in a phrase, seek the joy. It was like pulling back that arrow and aiming in that direction, just like you, we've been talking about throughout this entire conversation. And I think it just goes to show that when you have the courage and the willingness to get quiet within your own healing and mm-hmm. look at who you are and who you want to be and what brings you joy and what you're passionate about, even if you don't know the full picture, just having that courage to aim a little bit in that direction It'll totally change your life. I mean, I'm in a different place now with a different career doing something I never would have anticipated doing five years ago. Um, So it's pretty magical, I think is the best way to put it. It really is. And we don't know. We we plant these seeds of joy, you know, our preferences, our wishes, our dreams. And you're planting seeds all over in little ways and in big ways. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just have to wait for them to sprout. We let the sun and the water and care for them and nourishing of them and loving them. And at some point, they they really, really sprout big trees and bear beautiful fruit of joy. And you're in that space now. But I can also see that where you're planting all the seeds, including this podcast and spreading your own healing journey and spreading your intention for seeking the joy, um, it plants beautiful seeds Mm -hmm. all around, all around the world and in the universe. And amazing things come back around. I always say what you put out comes back tenfold. And I know that the amazing joy fruit that's going to um, be ready and available soon, I think you'll get to share with everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be truly awesome. Mm, Thank you, Aiden, because that means so much to me. And I really am very confident that I would not be here today if my dad in 2014 didn't say, hey, I think you should make an appointment with Aiden. (laughs) I think it would be good for you. Because through our work together, I totally shifted who, where I was working, the direction I wanted to move in. I was introduced to Kundalini Yoga, which has totally opened me up in a whole other way. I knew earlier you talked about turning those genes on. And I think through our work,
work together yeah. combined with yoga has totally helped to turn those genes on for me, which will have to be another conversation. And it led right. to doing <laughs> other work, which totally opened me up um, last summer in uh, 2018. And so it's really wonderful to see the healing journey and also to know who has been such a huge part oh, of it. Oh, it's my pleasure and honor <laughs> to be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had lots of fun. We I have. think most of oh our work God. has been fun and joyful and we'll totally laugh has. at the bad stuff instead yeah. of being so solemn and sad about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point too is that, you know, often when we think about energy work, when we think about healing, we think it has to be very serious. And a lot of our work together has Yes, we've had some serious times where you've been like, Sydney, we need to have like a serious conversation about X, Y, or Z. But I would say yeah. 99% of the time it's been fun and joyful. And I'm always really excited about what comes through, even if it challenges me and it forces me to um, rethink something in the way right. that I think about right. myself. And there's been so much healing and um, just growth. And so it's so cool to be able to have brought you on the podcast. Well, I've loved it. And so I'm so grateful and we'll have to have you on the show again because I think there's so much more to what we talked about and so much more to grow and expand on. But outside of your work, you know, what brings you joy? I realize I never asked you that. Well, that's a great question. I love to travel. I love to visit places that I feel like I have a powerful connection to that I don't necessarily know why, yeah. but there's something drawing me. I love to go investigate. I also sometimes take people on their past life tour of a lifetime that's really, mm -hmm. you know, created negative effects in this lifetime. And, and I've taken people all over the world for that. And I love witnessing that. I find it like a total Indiana Jones adventure of energy. And it always heals people. And we can... You know, as crazy as it sounds, it's like, okay, this experience happened here in 1820, and that's why you feel yeah. this way. And when we can go, you know, see it and go, wow, and say, that has nothing to do with today, I find that super fun. But I love to swim. I love to hike. I love to do everything in nature. I love to meditate. I know that sounds crazy. I think meditation <laughs> is what can heal the world, and it yeah. doesn't have to be serious. I'm a Buddhist sitting there. It can be listening to one beautiful song where you just breathe in and out. I would say when in doubt, breathe it out, mm -hmm. blow it out and mm -hmm. breathe in the love. And even again, we do that for one breath. It changes everything. So yeah, I love to witness and observe. I love my work so much. I love to observe all the amazing things that happen, but I also love to observe the random weird ways people will show up. And I go, wow, look at that amazing <laughs> weird way how this person just showed up that's from, you know, like Abu Dhabi. And like, yeah. how did that all happen? Right. Sometimes it's the miracle of the internet. Sometimes it's, you know, a referral or sometimes it's almost like a pinball machine where it bounces off other people and then suddenly says, you know, I was told about you two years ago and now I felt like I needed to call. It always blows my mind. So I love the magic of synchronicity and mm -hmm. I love to look at those signs and symbols in everything. Mm -hmm. I don't try to make it. I just, it happens so much for me over a, a period of a day, whether it's time codes of, you know, like 11-11 on a clock or a 444, like angels are with you. And finding those patterns brings me so much joy mm -hmm. and it can be the littlest things. And um, it's pretty mind-blowing. And if we look at life as this vast, amazing space where joy can be had in almost everything, not everything, there's still bad things going on in the world. But where we have the ability to not control the joy, but when we have the ability to seek the joy and aim towards it, like Cupid's arrow, pulling his arrow and aiming towards it, towards love and joy, I mean, life is pretty spectacular when you look mm -hmm. at it that way. I love that. What would you say is your biggest dream? Well, my business's dream right now is finishing my book. I've been working for years and years yes. on my book of telling all the stories about how you can heal yourself and the tools, the tips, the recipes, all of that, as we say, yeah. in, a, in a beautiful lifestyle book about that. So that's my big dream right now is completing that and, and then putting it out to the world. And again, seeing what boomerangs back and what changes happen. It's really cool. Well, I'm excited for it. And I know that you've been working on it for a while and it's going to be amazing. And Aiden, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. This was so fun oh, and so pleasure. long overdue. Where can everyone find you and learn more and, and can connect sure. and book a session if they feel called to? Absolutely. Well, you can find me on my website on AidenChase.com. It's spelled A-I-D-E-N. 
C-H-A-S-E, AidenChase.com. And um, on my website, there's lots of cool video testimonials, which are fun. And then I've done lots of interviews kind of like this all over the world. So that's also on my website and on YouTube. And you can also, for fun, you know, when I talked about meditation, one inhale out and blow it out, it really works. You can go on iTunes right here on iTunes and look for my meditation CD, which is called the Tropical Island Healing Meditation. And that's where I talk you through a healing meditation so you don't have to do any work. I do all the work and hopefully you come out at the end more relaxed, more peaceful and more open to joy. I love it. And I'll include everything in the show notes. So it'll be so easy for everyone to find you. And Aiden, thank you so much. I can't wait for everyone to hear this and can't wait to have you back on. Excellent. Thank you so much, Sydney. seriously cannot wait to hear what you thought about this week's new episode with Aiden. It is really the work that we've done together over the last five years. I wish I could sum it up in one word or one sentence, but I guess the best way to put it is that it has really taught me the impact and the power of stepping forward in our authenticity and choosing the courage to be an active participant really in our healing journeys. And so I'm so grateful he came on the show. I can't wait to hear what you thought about this week's episode. So join the conversation on our social media pages. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what was your biggest takeaway. Do you also do, you know, healing work? Have you worked with a healer or an intuitive? What has that looked like for you? I would love to open up the conversation and sort of, I don't know, remove the barriers or demystify what this is all about. And I think the more we can remove the fear in sharing, uh, the better off we will all be. So thank you, Aiden, so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys for listening to this week's new episode. If you want to show a little love and support for Seek the Joy podcast, if you want to support my work on this show, I would be so grateful if you subscribed on Apple Podcasts or really wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Share this episode, share your favorite episode with a friend, with your family, at your yoga class, at your work, wherever it might be. Uh, Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or really wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We are also on Patreon and I will include the link to our Patreon in the show notes and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it might be. Join the conversation. Don't forget to we have joy corner that started in january it's a new interview style blog series those features go live on the site every thursday morning i would love for you guys to check those out too the women that i have been able to feature there are just incredible all right guys that is it the floodgates just started again outside it just started pouring here again in la stay dry if you're in los angeles stay warm if you're on the east coast wherever you are in the world thank you so much again for tuning into this week's new episode i can't wait to continue to unfold and share this journey with all of you so that's it have a wonderful rest of your week and i'll see you right back here next week for another seek the joy tuesday 